Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I am thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. Periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Again, that's pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. And folks, today it is my pleasure and honor to share with you that on today's podcast episode, we have a special guest joining us. For the past 10 plus years, he's been providing me with insights, wisdom, and understanding, going deeper into God's word. He's both challenged me and helped me absolve doubts of my own by continually stretching me outside of my comfort zone. This person encouraged me to pursue a master's degree in theology and a PhD in Christian counseling. So you may be wondering who this special guest is. It's none other than my beloved husband, Matt Pastor. So welcome, Matt, and thank you for taking time out of your day to join in on today's conversation. This is going to be one that's applicable for all people, not just believers of the faith. Thank you, Pam, for having me on the program. I'm excited to be here, and I am your biggest fan. (laughs) Well, welcome again. We are certainly excited that you are here. And today and for the next few episodes, we're taking a deep dive into our thought life. And everybody can benefit from this wisdom. Of course, my hope and prayers are that our listeners are believers, but our self-talk is crucial to an understanding of who we are and what makes us respond in the ways that we do. So let's get started. And Matt, right off the bat, I'm going to ask you a question. So are you ready? I am. All right. Well, you know, I want to know when you hear or you see an ambulance, what are your thoughts toward it? You know, it's noisy. It may cause a slight disruption in your day by making and you pull aside and then you have to wait until it passes. So I guess my question for you is really, is your first gut reaction, ooh, someone's getting the assistance and the help that they need? Or do you kind of go have a pessimistic approach and say, ooh, there's trouble? Well, I got to be honest with you, Pam. Over the 30 years plus that we've known each other, you have taught me to respond favorably. That's awesome. I, I love that because you know what? It was taught to me as well. So it just, and I say that, and it makes me wonder if our thinking can be taught and programmed into us. And let me explain to you what I mean. The question is an example that I remember just from growing up. I'd hear the sirens, and as a little girl, I would literally, I would gasp, and I would ask my mom, where are they going? And I would be so concerned. And then clearly, I recall my mom telling me, well, someone's getting the help they need. And she was completely 
completely calm and it was okay. And so this made all the difference in the world for me over time. And I, I think it's beautiful because our daughter even said to me, I was talking to her about this and she said, oh yeah, mom, I remember you saying that all the time. So it's been able to be passed down to her as well. So now whenever I see or I hear an ambulance, that's what I think. And I think it's a great optimistic view on life. One that we should really attempt to hold over all areas rather than just this one area instead of being worried or troubled about many things that oftentimes are outside of our control. And so when we follow this type of advice, we're seeing our world's glass more than half full. This type of thinking places us at an advantage really to be victors and victorious in life. And I think others around us intuitively and instinctively pick up on our outlook as well. And then we're able to pass on giving people the benefit of the doubt, if you will. So using the same logic, we can teach our young people not to fear authority by simply explaining people are getting the help that they need when they see one of these emergency first responder type vehicles. So speaking of giving others the benefit of the doubt, let's explore and peer through the lens and the eyes of Jesus's disciple, Thomas. And that's really what I'm calling today's episode is doubting Thomas and his friends. So he had been with the other apostles at the Mount of Olives watching as Jesus disappeared into a cloud. Two white robed men suddenly stood there among them and they said, men in Galilee, why are you standing here staring up at the sky? And Jesus had been taken away from you into heaven and someday, just as you saw him go, he will return. So then the apostles ended up walking a half mile back to Jerusalem and they went to this upstairs room of the house where they had been staying and they had a prayer meeting as they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. But they, during this whole time, they had right thoughts as they prayed and they waited and they knew that they were in the will of God at that point because God had given them specific instructions to follow. And this is something that we can learn from too, because we don't want to be ahead of God's plans. We need to really recognize God's timing and his power to be truly effective and influential in life. And like Thomas, we too may have doubts or skepticism, lack of trust in someone or something, but this isn't always a negative. As a matter of fact, it may mean that you and me are just not gullible accepting everything at face value. And so the apostle Thomas really does deserve our respect for his faith, but it's true. He was a doubter and yet his doubts did serve a purpose. And Matt, I would ask you when I say that, like, what do you think I mean by his doubts served a purpose? Well, we know of Thomas, he wanted the truth. He wasn't waiting around, idolizing his doubts. We see from scripture that he gladly believed when given reason to do so. Yeah, those are great points. And it really reminds me of the movie with Jack Nicholson when he explains in the courtroom, you can't handle the truth. 
But the only difference is with Jesus on our side, we can always handle the truth. And if you too are a doubter who fully expresses your doubts, that's okay, because you probably also have them answered completely. And sometimes doubting is our only way of responding. It's not our way of life. And Thomas's character shined through with consistency. Thomas would struggle to be faithful to what he knew, despite the feelings that he had. And there was one point when it was apparent to everyone that Jesus's life was in danger, but it was only Thomas who put it into words, what everyone was feeling. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 11, verse 16, it's Thomas who says, let's go too and die with Jesus. That's right, Pam. Fun fact. Did you know Thomas's name meant twin? I forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Yeah. And and then based off our conversation uh, regarding this podcast, we learned that your name means sweeter than honey. And my name, uh, Matthew, means gift of Yahweh. Very cool. I like that. Thanks for the fun facts. I I do know that names do carry forth much meaning, especially back in ancient times. I recall even in the Bible reading that Jacob meant deceiver. So every time someone called his name subconsciously, he was hearing deceiver. And um, I know that God, he wrestles with God all night long and God ends up changing his name to Israel and gives him a much more promised blessed, blessed name. This explains why frequently in the Bible we read of God changing people's names even like Abraham and and Sari to Abraham and Sarah and there's just countless examples but we do often remember Thomas as the doubter because he doubted Jesus's resurrection but Thomas demonstrated love and courage when he said let's go to and die with Jesus While the disciples knew the dangers of going to Jerusalem, they were faithful and even tried to talk Jesus out of going. But yet Jesus's disciples, they may have lacked some understanding of the why behind what was happening, but their loyalty to Jesus was never in question. And while we don't know where Thomas was the first time after the resurrection with Jesus, and his appearance, we do know he was extremely reluctant to believe the testimony of the 10 other disciples that told him, hey, Jesus has been resurrected. We've seen him. So Matt, I've got a question here for you again. I just want to know, has there been something in your life maybe that you've doubted like Thomas, but it's been proven to you over time or it was immediately proven and you've tried to convince another of your position? Pam, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish what you were saying. No, I was just going to say, if you'll just tell me, like, what happened? How did you handle that? Well, in my life, I've experienced separation from God. My decision, obviously, and it wasn't a good one, but here's why. In relationships, none of us can control what another thinks or feels. Yes, we can influence But what we can't control is our response to another. God has revealed to me that the changes I desire in someone else needed to begin with me. It was my behavior, my thoughts, and how I showed up to speak. That would be the catalyst for these changes. 
You know the old adage, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. It doesn't work. We don't need different opinions, but we do need to be alert of God's guidance, helping us to trust, turning our doubts into truths. Wow, those are excellent points. And you know, I have heard that definition of insanity multiple times. And it's so true. When we expect a different result, but we're doing the same old thing, it's not going to work. So excellent points. I appreciate you sharing those. And I know that you're speaking God's wisdom with what you've shared. It's important to point out that this hasn't happened for you overnight. I know that you have had many years of experiences, trial, error, listening to the Holy Spirit guide and direct you. And candidly, I just want to say thank you for sharing. And, you know, tell us, Matt, about when you were a young boy. I mean, you were a believer and then you did get away from God, but you came back to your faith. Am I getting all of that right? Yes. As a, as a young boy, my my mother, my father, they were diligent in having us go to church and I was in Sunday Bible school um, uh, or, or Bible class, whatever you may call it. Every Sunday morning, learned many, many stories in the Bible about about Jesus and Noah and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And it was important then. And as you get older, you, you're, you think you're in control. You think that that you're invincible and I kind of felt like I didn't need God and I can kind of do this life on my own and what a what a bad bad decision I made thank God that he's merciful and and he opposes pride and and I desired his grace more than my pride and and he's taken me back and and forgiven all of my sins Absolutely. And, you know, he does give grace to the humble. And I know I've seen you throughout the years humble yourself and you have modeled such a wonderful way of life for me. And I'm so appreciative of that. You know, it just I go back in time to when we first met way back when, you know, nearly 20, you were just barely 20, I think 21 and I just recall thinking Easter is about bunnies and chocolate. And you're like, uh, no, there's a little more to it than that. And um, you filling me in on what the Easter story meant and Good Friday and the resurrection and just, I had no idea. And I am so thankful to you for that. It's just such an amazing blessing to know that there is someone that has this foundation and that we're going to pass it. We are and have been passing it on to our child and hopefully she's passing it now to the next generation. And that's all we can do is pray for that. But you absolutely, like I said, have been a blessing. So moving right ahead, (laughs) I wanted to um, go through what I call a SWOT analysis on other previous podcasts I've done that where we evaluate people through the lens of strengths and weaknesses opportunities and threats looking at the whole entire person so I want to do that now with the Apostle Thomas and first we're going to start with his strengths and I would be curious to know Matt kind of in your opinion what were Thomas's strengths he was one of Jesus's original 12 disciples 
Thomas was intense in his doubt, but he also possessed the same fervor in his belief. He was a loyal and honest man as well. Yes. And, you know, I'd completely agree with your assessment of his strengths. When Thomas comes up in discussion, I believe that few people realize he had all of those strengths. Really, he's just known for doubting Thomas. But earlier, we discussed the fact that Thomas deserves to be respected and recognized for his faith. Being one of the 12 original disciples is a clear-cut demonstration of that faith, don't you think? I absolutely agree. Yeah, so help me understand what you mean by Thomas was intense in his doubt, but also possessed the same fervor in his belief. Thomas didn't hesitate to follow Jesus, and yet he is the most well-known for what he said in John 20, verse 25. The disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see, I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. <laughs> Hearing that makes me chuckle. Let me explain. Think about how alike, not different than Thomas most of us are. It's, it's possible to express doubt without being stuck in living a doubting way of life. Doubt encourages us to really rethink what we're thinking. All right, so let's look at weaknesses for Thomas. I would, I would say that he, along with the other disciples, abandoned Jesus at his arrest. That's a big weakness. And then he refused to believe 10 other apostles demanding proof another weakness. And then I would argue that he struggled with a pessimistic outlook rather than finding rest in Jesus. Would you agree with that? Yep, I would, Pam. Yeah. So have you ever found yourself presenting the truth to someone only for them to refute it? And if so, how did you convince them otherwise? Pam, I've been in this situation where we know that Jesus is the truth and I attempted to push the truth aggressively in harsh communication and high tone um, on an unbeliever at all costs. I was going to convince them and save their soul. After all, the truth is still truth even if another doesn't believe it. What I found was this is a great way to alienate others. I raised my voice as the passion swelled up inside of me. Now I understand while Jesus was called us to go forth and spread the good news to all nations by following the Great Commission, I am merely a seed planter for Jesus. He is, it is his Holy Spirit that is responsible to pull through and reap the harvest. Yes, you know what? Those are great learnings that you shared. Our passion and our emotion for Jesus sometimes just doesn't automatically transfer to another person. They just don't catch our enthusiasm. And I would say even similarly to that, that our parents' faith doesn't just come upon us either. It's up to us that we have to really work through our doubts and objections and find our way to the truth 
many times it really is the power of the Holy Spirit that's moving within a person's life to bring them into that truth of Jesus and wanting to make that commitment to Jesus. So moving along, let's go ahead and assess the opportunities for Thomas. I would argue Thomas was a prime example for us all. We could make the choice to doubt out loud rather than to disbelieve in silence. And then also Thomas, he could continue to be honest about his doubts because Jesus would reward this level of honesty as he directed Thomas toward the right beliefs. And do you agree that Jesus doesn't reject doubts when we couch them and position them in sincerity? Yes, Pam, I'd agree 100%. Yeah, I'm also in agreement on that. Placing our doubts at Jesus' feet is the smart thing to do. And waiting for him to show us how to overcome those doubts. Continuing on now, let's look at the final letter in the SWOT analysis, T for threats. So one of the threats for Thomas just that was staring him straight in the face was he must believe in Jesus's resurrection or he would be unable to fulfill the great commission that's commanded. And Jesus gives all of us the privilege of telling new believers their sins have been forgiven because they've accepted Jesus's message. And based upon this, we too can announce with boldness and certainty, coupled of course with finesse, that the forgiveness of sins, or as I've said in previous podcasts, the missing of the mark, when we ourselves have doubt removed and we're confident in our repentance and faith in Jesus. So like Thomas, Matt, do you need a physical person in the form of Jesus to believe, or can you have faith and have belief in in what you don't see? At this point in my mature life, uh, no, I do not. Pam, as a matter of fact, nobody does. Jesus' very presence resides within the hearts of his believers as the Holy Spirit takes up residence. Absolutely. But what advice, Matt, would you have for a new Christian? Because you said at this point in your mature life. So what about a new Christian who needs to sit down with someone because they're seeking advice? I tell them exactly what I've told you. It's not wise to seek the opinions and approval of man. God's ways and plans are always better than ours. We do not need God's physical presence because he's provided us with the Holy Spirit. This allows believers to share God's presence all of the time. He is with us now listening and longing for an in-depth relationship with us. We can find his words to us within the very pages of the Bible. Wonderful. Well, Matt, this has all been great advice, and I appreciate you helping to pass on wisdom that you've learned over the years. I certainly appreciate your time and you jumping on as a guest today on our podcast, and I hope that you'll consider joining us on future episodes. If you'll have me. Absolutely. So folks, as we prepare to wrap up this episode today, make sure you tune in tomorrow as we continue our important discussion on our thinking and our speaking. We'll be looking specifically at ridding wrong words and mindsets from our lives. And it's truly remarkable to see that Jesus wasn't hard on Thomas for his doubts. 
While he had a large amount of skepticism, Jesus held an even larger amount of compassion and empathy. That's a trait we all need. And Thomas remained loyal to the other believers and Jesus himself. And it's human nature that some of us, maybe even you, (laughs) need to doubt before we can believe. But if you'll follow the line of sight here, let's think about this. If doubt leads to questions and questions lead to answers and answers are accepted as good, then doubt has done a good work. Now, it's when our doubt becomes enmeshed with stubbornness and our stubbornness turns into a lifestyle that doubt will harm our faith. So remember, it's okay to doubt but let's not get stuck there. It's only a stop upon the way to the destination. We must allow for our doubt to deepen our faith in Jesus as we search and are open for the answers. And friends, today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, then I'd invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus Christ simply repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. And now let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision you have ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. And as you go out into the world, I want to pray this benediction of blessings over your life from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love in action really looks like in many more topics. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. So please join me. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And much of today's podcast was referenced from my book, The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And if you know anyone who may be interested in this material, please share a copy with them too. Until next time, be blessed. Mm